And I'm really, really glad that that nickname is stuck. Uh, crazy old uncle. Yeah, I love it. Uh, so uh, it's Christmas time. I'm so honored to be a sanctuary. Most wonderful time of the year. And I'm sure you're looking forward to things like I am. And the thing that I'm looking forward to the most is I love a good debate about the most controversial topic in all of Christmas. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? That's what I get excited about. So I thought I'd take a quick straw poll. If you think Die Hard is not a Christmas movie, please raise your hand. If it's not a Christmas movie, we've got a few of you. Okay, you're the, it's not a Christmas movie. If you think Die Hard is definitely a Christmas movie, please raise your hand right now. Okay, wow, okay. And then there's so many people that are like, I don't know what you're talking about, I don't care. <laughs> uh, well, here's the thing. I'd love to set the record straight tonight, settle this debate once and for all. You guys may or may not know this, but I am a licensed minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so tonight, uh, I uh, pronounce, <laughs> I pronounce that hereby, thence, thenceforth, that's not a word, it's something like that. <laughs> Die Hard is a Christmas movie. It's a Christmas movie. So already we've settled this debate for history, so we're in a good place tonight. Uh, well, I'm excited to talk about Christmas and at the core of what Christmas is all about for us as Christians. The most compelling, the life, most life-giving thing about Christmas is uh, this very fact that God is no more a, a God that's far away. God is not a God that is distant. God is with us, Emmanuel. We see this in Matthew one twenty three. We see, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. That's the good news of this season. And tonight, I want to specifically talk about the idea that God is with us in the storms. God is with us in the storms. You know, I'm, I'm no stranger to storms. I'm originally from Oklahoma. And if you don't know uh, about Oklahoma, it's sort of the epicenter of tornadoes. We were just talking about this with somebody. It's sort of tornado alley. In Oklahoma, uh, you do not, okay, yes, I'm about to get to that. In Oklahoma, you do not run away from tornadoes. Uh, you don't hide from tornadoes. In Oklahoma, you go outside of your house to take pictures of tornadoes. And there's these people called storm chasers that do this very thing. And yeah, there's this movie called Twister. How many of you guys have seen Twister? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I'm sure it won some awards. Uh, it's a great movie. It's not a Christmas movie like Die Hard, uh, but it's all about these people. It's based in Oklahoma. They chase storms. These are my people. This is where I'm from. And then a few years ago, uh, I was on uh, uh, helping to lead a mission trip with students, and my wife and I, uh, we were flying back uh, from Guatemala in the middle of the night, uh, we took off, and the plane went into the middle of a, of a thunderstorm. And there was lightning and thunder, and rain was pouring. And it wasn't just your normal up-and-down turbulence. The plane was going back and forth. It was sort of rocking. Uh, and you know it was bad because the stewardesses were like, their, their eyes got wide, and they ran to their seats. And it was crazy. And the, the thing was, we were in Guatemala, so everybody spoke Spanish. 
And so we're sitting there, and the pilot's saying something in Spanish. And my wife and I are like, what's he saying? I'm like, I don't know. I don't speak Spanish. For all we knew, he was saying, this is the end of the road. We're going down. And uh, this lady next to us speaking Spanish and praying. And the funniest part is we had two students in front of us, and they had never flown before in their life. And so every time they would look back at us, we had to put on a brave face. They would look back and be like, ah, just normal flight. This is just, <laughs> this is a little turbulence, no big deal. And as soon as they, they would turn back around, we'd be like, <laughs> we, uh, we literally thought we, wouldn't, we weren't going to make it. It was a crazy storm. Now, another thing I find interesting about storms, I don't know if you thought about this, but the way that we name storms uh, like, you know, this year we had uh, Hurricane Florence. Years ago, we had Hurricane Katrina. And I don't know if you knew this, but back in the day, they used to name hurricanes after the location that they took place in. But then in 1954, meteorologists started naming storms after their wives and their girlfriends. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fascinating to me. I'm like, is it? I don't know if that's a compliment or not. Like, if I went to my wife and I was like, babe, there's this devastating storm that's about to take place is probably going to create c- catastrophes. It might even kill some people. I'm naming it after you. <laughs> Thank you? I don't, I don't know. It's just a weird thing. Well, tonight, uh, you may be going through a storm, and you may name it something totally different. Maybe the name of your storm is uh, Storm Depression. Maybe your storm has a name uh, like cancer or debt or anxiety See, I've heard it said before that we're all either coming out of a storm, we're in the middle of a storm, or we're about to face a storm. It's a pretty sobering reality, but this is the human condition. This is the hard human condition. We are all going to battle storms. And in the middle of these storms, it's logical, and we all ask questions like, where is God? Why does God allow this to happen? Why doesn't God do something in this storm? And the key idea I want to talk about tonight is this. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Let me say that again. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. And I want to read from Acts 27 we're going to spend the majority of our time in a story that takes, takes place in the 27th chapter of Acts. In this story, there's a group of men uh, who are in the middle of a crazy, chaotic storm, and they're terrified, and they start throwing their uh, cargo overboard, and they think this storm is going to be the end of them. And so we'll catch up here in verse 20. We see this, When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and the storm continued raging, And I wonder if for some of you guys tonight, that phrase, maybe if your storm continues to rage, it won't stop. And that's what it feels like. The storm continued raging, and we finally gave up all hope of being saved. And that phrase sticks out to me, gave up all hope. Sticks out to me because I've been in that place. I've had friends who've been in that place. I have church friends who've been in that place where I've been so close to giving up hope. Maybe I'll always be alone. Maybe I'll never get out of this debt. Maybe I'm always going to be depressed. 
Maybe I'll never find the right calling or the right job. The storm continued raging, and we get close to losing all hope. Now, verse 21, after they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. So what we see here is Paul is essentially saying to them, uh, I told you not to go on this trip at this time. Uh, He's basically saying, I told you so. And what we see is this group of men are in this storm because they didn't listen. They're in this storm because it's their own fault. And sometimes we get into these storms, the middle of the storm, because it's our own fault. Sometimes as Christians, we, can, uh, we, we have this tendency to blame things on the devil or Satan, or we blame things on the culture, when in reality, sometimes it's our own fault. Maybe you're in a storm because you spent too much money. Maybe you're in a storm because you were lazy or procrastinating. Maybe you mouthed off, or maybe you made a foolish decision. Sometimes uh, we're warned by mentors or wise people, we just don't listen. Maybe this is one of the reasons these men gave up hope, because they knew it was their own fault that they were there. Now, uh, another group of people in this crew probably, most likely, uh, didn't want to go on this trip. They either wanted to listen to Paul, or they didn't have a say in the matter. And so this group in the crew uh, is in the middle of this storm because of someone else's dumb decision. Now, I've got a question. Have you ever been in a storm because of someone else's decision? Is that person sitting right next to you right now? (laughs) Just give me a little wink. You know, don't point at them. I don't know. Sometimes we find ourselves in the storm because of someone else's decision. Maybe when you were younger, your parents got a divorce. That wasn't your decision, but you had to face that storm. Maybe your company or your job uh, made some bad decisions, and you have to face the, the consequences. Maybe someone you've loved has broken your trust, and that was their decision. Now, in any case, here's the thing, in any case, whether it was our own fault that we got in this storm or whether it was someone else's fault, either way, we get into this middle, the middle of this storm and we begin to lose hope. We begin to lose hope. Now, in verse 22, we see this uh, from Paul. He says, but now I urge you to keep up your courage. And someone in here needs to hear this tonight. Straight from Scripture, keep up your courage. All is not lost. The storm is not going to be the end of you. Keep up your courage. Because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong, whom I serve, stood beside me. So Paul's saying an angel stood beside me beside me. Now, I don't know where you're at theologically with supernatural things like angels, but here's what I believe. Uh, There are powers at work, 100%, I believe there are powers at work that we cannot see and we cannot imagine. There are things that we can imagine, there are ways that we cannot even understand or imagine that God is with us and beside us. Maybe it's the supernatural around us, but also Scripture tells us if you're a follower of Jesus, God's Spirit dwells within us. It goes with us wherever we go. God is a God that's not bound by time. He's in tomorrow already. He knows what's going to happen. God is hearing our prayers. 
God is mourning with us and crying with us. God is comforting us. He is guiding us. In more ways than we can imagine, God is standing beside us. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Now, uh, in the Old Testament, there, uh, one of my favorite characters is a guy who faced uh, storms throughout his life. His name is David. And he says this. I love it. In Psalm 16, he says, I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. So here's the thing. If we can start to understand that God is right beside us, it starts to change our entire mood. It starts to change our posture and our demeanor and our confidence. Like when I was in fifth grade, I started going out with a girl. Uh, do you guys remember going out? Yeah, yeah, it's like this label that we put on things. It's like, uh, I wasn't actually going to go out with this girl, do anything. Uh, I was even scared to talk to this girl, but we were going out. And uh, I, what I found out is apparently the biggest, baddest bully in all of Hugo Elementary, Tanner, uh, had a huge crush on this girl, and, and everybody was just supposed to know this. And so when I started going out with this girl, he got irate, and he started telling the whole school, I'm going to beat up Adam Hendricks. And so people start coming to me, and they're like, Tanner's going to beat you up. And I'm like, I know, everybody's saying that. And so at recess, I uh, went to uh, play basketball. I played basketball most days at recess. That might surprise some of you, because I'm short and I'm white, but I played basketball all my life. I mostly stood around the three-point line. I knew where I belonged. Uh, but I was a big basketball player, and I developed this relationship with a guy named Quentin. Now, Quentin, he was the sort of the boss of the basketball court. He was the most athletic, uh, tallest. He could almost dunk in fifth grade. And he, he, basically, the basketball crew was like his fifth-grade gang. And so that day, I went to recess, and Quentin came to me, and he was like, hey, I heard this Tanner guy wants to fight you. I was like, yeah, that's what I'm hearing too. And uh, Quentin was like, uh, let's stop the basketball game, everybody. Come with me. And so everybody in the basketball court, including Quentin and, and I, we started walking to confront Tanner. And I'm walking beside Quentin. And we get to Tanner, and Quentin's like, hey, uh, I heard you wanted to fight my boy Adam here. And Tanner looks at Quentin, and he looks at the entire gang, and he's like, I was just playing. That was a joke, man. <laughs> like, we're good, he's good, we're good, everything's good, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. See, it's all about who is standing with you. As I was walking with Quentin, man, my posture changed, my demeanor changed, my mood and my confidence changed. And when we can start to understand this reality and this truth that God is with us and beside us, our entire demeanor can change, our mood can change, our confidence can change. It's, it's not about the storm. It's not about the boat. It's about who is with you in the boat. In fact, there's this great story in the New Testament. It's one of my all-time favorites. Uh, it's Jesus and his disciples were on another boat in another storm. And the storm is raging, it's going crazy, and Jesus is asleep underneath the boat. And the disciples are freaking out, they're scared, and so they go down and they wake up Jesus. 
And I love the, picturing this scene in my mind, Jesus coming out. He's probably got bedhead because he's got the hair. There's no conditioner back then. And he gets out, and the disciples are freaking out. And Jesus says to them, ye of little faith. And he says this epic phrase. He says, don't you know that even the wind and the waves know my name? So good. And then he says, peace, be still. There's peace in the waves and the wind. And the disciples experience peace. Why? Because they were in the presence of Jesus. See, what's inevitable is that storms are going to come. They're going to come. If you think following Jesus means that you're going to have good days all the time, it's always going to be good. That's just bad theology. Jesus himself promises that in this world, you will have troubles. But take heart, I've overcome the world. See, true peace is not the absence of a storm. True peace is found in the presence of Jesus. True peace is not an absence of a storm. True peace is who, who's with you in the boat. Now, I want to read to you 20, verse 23 again. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So the angel is essentially telling Paul, uh, you have more battles to fight. You're not going to die in this battle because I'm not done with you yet. There's more battles for you to face. You can't go down in this boat because I have more for you. And some of you guys need to hear that tonight. As long as you're alive and God is breathing his breath in you, he is not done with you yet. You have more battles to fight. You have more people to love. You have more people to serve. You have more things to experience. So here's the cool thing. I just love this concept. God will use what you learn in this storm to help someone through theirs. God sees purpose in these storms. He will use what you're going through to help others. Years ago, when my dad passed away, I went through a storm of hurt and loss and fear and abandonment. And as I came out on the other side of that storm, I was able to start using what I'd learned to help my friends who lost a loved one. When I got let go of my job on Christmas Eve, I got let go of my job on Christmas Eve. Okay, I thought there'd be some kind of reaction there. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I got to let go of my job on Christmas Eve. <laughs> okay, well, yep. It doesn't count the second time after I tell you to do it, but okay. Uh, man, I went through a storm of, uh, man, just discouragement, embarrassment, uh, frustration, loss of hope. And after coming out of that storm, I've been able to use what I learned in that to help others to see the bigger picture, to persevere through these kind of storms. Maybe you have survived some sort of cancer, and now you can help someone else fight that battle. Maybe you've climbed out of debt. You can tell others it can be done. Maybe you've broken free from uh, an addiction, or you, you've gotten sober. You can use what you've learned to help others see that freedom that can come. God will use this storm for good. Now we continue on in verse 25. So keep up your courage, men. 
Keep up your faith, ladies. For I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. See, faith is not what I see. Faith is in what God says and who he is. Faith is not in the boat. My faith is not in the boat. My faith is in the one who commands the winds and the waves. Here's the bottom line tonight. You can't control when storms come. You can't control how it hits. You can't control how long your storms last. You can't control what people say about you. You can't control what other people do. You can't control what other people think. But you can control who you listen to. You can control what you say, and you can control where you place your faith. My faith is in the one who commands the winds and the waves. My faith is in God. Who is God? The psalmist in Psalm 46 says, God is our shelter and strength. In the middle of a storm, he's our shelter and strength. He's always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not be afraid even if the earth is shaken and mountains fall into the ocean depths, even if the seas roar and rage and the hills are shaken by violence. We could say it like this, even if the economy collapses, I will not be afraid, I will not be shaken. Even if my relationship breaks down, I will not be afraid because Emmanuel, God with us. Even if I don't get that job, I will not be afraid. I will continue on. He is what I need. God is where I put my faith. My faith is in God, the one who commands the wind and the way, winds and the waves. He is my safety. He's my comfort. He's my source, my redeemer, and my assurance. See, tonight we want to never let the presence of a storm cause us to doubt the presence of God. Why? Because he is Emmanuel, God with us. Peace is not in the absence of storms. Peace comes from the presence of God. So what I want to do tonight is I want to give us a chance to, to reflect on that a little bit. Sometimes a sermon uh, can be a, a practical, sort of a three-step kind of thing. Do this, do this. And sometimes a sermon needs to be uh, like a drink of water for your soul. And so I want to give us a chance to sit in the presence of God. So I want to encourage you to close your eyes with me. And maybe you yourself are in a storm. You're battling it. The storm feels like it won't stop raging. And you're close to losing all hope. Maybe you know somebody you're close to that is in a storm and they're beginning to lose all hope. And what I invite you to do, and nobody's looking, I want to invite you, if you're going through a storm, you know somebody, just to raise your hand, just in faith. There's not going to be anything weird. This is just a way to say in faith, yes. Yes. It's a way to acknowledge that nobody's perfect, that we are in this mess together. Okay, you can put your hands down. 
So, Father, I want to pray for each person that's raised their hand tonight. Father, would you help us uh, to see the reality that you're not a God that we just hear about in storybooks. You're not a God that's far away. You are a God that is present. You are a God that is near. And you are a God that commands the winds and the waves. That you are our shelter and our strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. So I lift up my brothers and my sisters who are in the midst of a storm and they feel like they're losing hope. They feel, feel like it's continuing to rage. Would you help them feel your presence? Would you help them to know that you are near, that you are fighting with them and for them? God, would you encourage their souls? Would you encourage their hearts to know that you are not done with them? The battle's not over. You have more for them. God, would you give them the perseverance, the grit, the determination to just keep going? God, for each one of us, you help us to know in our hearts and our souls that you never leave us, you never forsake us. So we're going to sing some songs. I want to invite you to continue to reflect and be in the presence of God. We're going to have the prayer group. I'm going to be back there in the back as well. If you just want someone to pray with you, pray over you, in the midst of this storm, uh, that can be a way you respond as well. But as we worship, allow God's hope to wash over you. Let's continue to be with Him, to 